Yo, yo, yo! Welcome to another episode of Wings, Beers, and Tears, your favorite DMV sports podcast. We are back and better than ever on another February dreary day here in the DMV, and uh, it kind of reflects a little bit of the, of the attitude of some of our sports teams, but we will get into that this evening. It is your usual cast of characters here. I am Todd, joined as always by Jerry. How are you? Hello, give a shout out to my girl Tiff who's listening to us. Hello, Tiff. She may be our best fan ever. Well, she's not Outstanding. listening right now because we're not live, but... <laughs> we're going to upload like instantaneously, you, Jeremy. Uh, and that's that's the third member of our party chiming in early like the dickhead that he is. Yes, Here's Jeremy yeah. on the other end. Stick a fucking paddle up his ass <laughs> and not the handle way. That's the only way you can beat me. And what better way to start another episode of DFV Sports uh, podcasting with uh, a paddle in the ass? Can uh, I, can I, I can't I, think of anything better. Can I just say that in the one time I played Jeremy in ping pong, he beat me. I beat him. Of course I did. I haven't, been, I, I, haven't did. Been, I haven't lost in like seven years. But I will say this, that Jeremy and I were so into the game that it's when John Rourke had his surgery and oh, yeah. Sheila came over and was telling us about the surgery. We couldn't have given a shit. <laughs> we, were, we were so focused on the game. We were like, hey, Sheila, it's game point. We've got to win by two. Like, Talk to hey, me later. Hey, Sheila, I love John. I love him. But relax. Yeah, chill. Well, the fun part was dodging the chips fly, like, <laughs> flying off the paddles because they're all like rotten and everything. <laughs> Ah, that's awesome. And we played at Mitch's house in Legoland. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice. But nice. It, was, it was fun. It was a good it was, was a good awesome. time. Yeah, it's like a uh, it's like a circus down there. He's got he's got all that all that fun shit over there at that place. All right. So we are gonna do uh our rundown for the evening. We're gonna do the old compliment sandwich and we're gonna put the big shit burger right in the middle of our talk this evening. So let's start off on a positive note for a change. Can't believe I'm saying this here in February, but tonight your Maryland Terrapins, number nine, Maryland Terrapins host Nebraska, and they are um, they're playing really good basketball. They continue to win, and uh, six in a row going for seven. Yep, six, six in, in a row, row. And, and the fact that it is February 11th and they are top ten in the country means that they have they've done a nice job of maintaining you know an even keel in this gauntlet that has been the NCAA. Uh, uh, regular season because everybody is losing right now in the NCAA. Right. Um, so well, it's good to, good to see the boys still, uh, you know. For Gonzaga and I forget who else. Baylor. The, Baylor well, now Baylor's okay, but Gonzaga never plays anybody. So. No, it's they're terrible. What's um, still losing the second round like they always do. Right? Probably. Well, probably. Not always do. But, but, but so here we are with Maryland. And, you know, if you go back weeks on end, you know, lots and lots of, uh, you know, taking a dump on Turgeon saying, you know. Turgeon yeah. um, <clears throat> said, hey, Jerry, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Yeah, hey, look, look who learned how to coach. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll I'll, res- I'll I'll reserve my comments for <laughs> the, the, next pot, the pastry chef. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, all your vitriol will be saved up for our caps talk later. But uh, no, I mean, you know, this Maryland team uh, again, the NCAA as a whole right now, it's it's so bizarre. It, you tune in, and it can be a complete shit matchup on paper, and it can go down to the wire. Games can be high scoring. They can be a complete slugfest in the 40s or 50s. And no one is immune to the upset. That's what makes it so fun. But being fans of a team that is in the top 10, I know I am watching every game, regardless of whether it's tonight, Nebraska, or Saturday on the road against Michigan State. I, my re, The reality part of my, my fandom says the, each game is going to go down to the wire. It's going to be close. And people laugh at me when they're like, oh, really? Nebraska is going to go down to the wire? It very well may. Uh, that's just the nature of college basketball right it may, now. It shouldn't. They have no players 
and they're not any good anyway. So, like they actually have no players, or well, the top two players are, aren't <laughs> playing, and they weren't very good before that. Which is so. exactly why it'll go. It'll be like a fifty-two to fifty game with right, you know, three minutes left. Some guy we've never heard of is going to have a double double, and you Some know, guy that looks like Jimmy Chitwood. <laughs> yeah, right. Sticks will get into foul trouble. Something, something will happen. Um, Some like Ukrainian kid or something. like Yeah, that. but he uh, comes off the bench smoking a cigarette <laughs> <laughs> with his with his uh, Adidas. Now, but Maryland's put together now some impressive wins, and, and Friday night was uh, was quite impressive. Hey, man, the, in, since January 18th, they have beaten Purdue. They've won on the road at Northwestern, Indiana, and Illinois, which was really impressive. Yeah, that, that game Friday night was, was, was pretty good. And they beat Iowa and Rutgers, which was not a great game by any means, but nope. it, you know it's one of the ones where um, I think good teams can play bad and still find a way to win. And that's... And that's you just took the words right out of my mouth. This Maryland team in in the past few years with some higher expectations, it it appears that they've found ways to lose games in heartbreaking fashion. And now we're expecting them to find a way to win. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, this is this is where you want to be. They they seem to be peaking at the right time, but they got to keep it going. Yes, I mean, you know, they, yes, they got to handle Nebraska tonight, and then they have Miss, uh, Michigan State, then they got Northwestern again, and then they got Ohio State, Minnesota. And Michigan State again, so you know their pro- their competition will probably step up a little bit. Yep, um, playing in some tough places in 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 the league, but they are peaking, mm-hmm. and hopefully they keep getting better. What I'd like to see is come out from the beginning, get a good lead, be in control the whole game, win by double digits. I would love that. I would, uh, Jeremy, chime in here because you and I have. Uh, We've we've championed the fact that they've got two of the best players in the nation, so you just ride them. Mm-hmm. But it would be really nice if Cowan and Sticks didn't have to play thirty seven and thirty eight minutes. But they have to. Yeah. Well, no, that's but for tonight, that that's exactly the point. Get them down to thirty or so. Get guys like you know Lindo and Chol. Get them get them a little bit of run, maybe. You know, Reese Mona. Yeah, let's please say Mona is another one. He can probably play ten or twelve minutes and not hurt you on a night like tonight if you have a good start and can carry. <laughs> See, Reese Mona, he's one of those guys. I feel like if he showed up at like uh, a drop-in game at Mitch's house in the spring, like I feel like I could hang with him. <laughs> but then he'd probably but, drop thirty yeah, on me. I mean, that made me look silly. But that's you know. how stupid we are as <laughs> former athletes. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I know he would own me. So I'm gonna... <laughs> I mean, I can't even move laterally at all without my feet falling off. So of course I can't do anything. No, but you, you guys be more are obstacles right. for you him to get right through. That I didn't think about that. They got to start thinking about uh, conference tournament. Yeah, and NCAA, and they got to preserve some minutes. They, so, they really do. So if you can get your guys, your backup guys, to come in and give you quality minutes, it's mm-hmm. just going to help you. And see, I, I don't even need I don't even need it to be as deep as a Reese Mona or you know a Tamayich or those guys. But if if you can have on the floor Ayala running the point, and you can have Sorrell Smith, and you can have Wiggins out there, right? And Smith gets right. instead of twelve minutes, he gets twenty two. That's perfectly yeah. fine with me right I'm now. I'm telling you, when when the season started. We were all talking about Cowan, Wiggins, Ayala, you know, and that rotation that you really weren't going to have to rely on one person because you can have no drop off. That proved not to be true as the season wore on. Mm-hmm. Cowan sort of picking up the minutes, um, but I think you guys are right. I th- this is a game where you need to take advantage of some rest. Yes, um, and because you got Michigan State and those guys are. That you know they like I said they what, what, what's the term I used when you go down the lane you need knife they have knives yeah there are yeah, yeah, no yeah. easy buckets now, against them and it's the worst for me it's the worst setup 
at Michigan State Saturday. It's college game day at Michigan State. This is the first time they haven't been ranked in so long. They've dropped a couple really tough ones, including a rivalry game against Michigan. Mm -hmm. And they've been a little snake-bitten, but it's still Tom Izzo, and they're still tough as shit. And Mark D'Antonio quit two weeks ago, and nobody wants that job because they're in the middle of some sort of scandal. I don't know yeah, what it is. Yeah, something's there, going on. There's some he he resigned abruptly and people are saying no to left or right. I think they're going to call Jeremy next. Uh-huh. But so they, I'll vouch for him. So that school needs <laughs> some good news. Yeah, they do. You they know? do. But I tell you man, I have so much respect for Izzo. He just reminds me of he's a throwback guy. He's in that Gary mold. He's one of a dying breed where a lot of the big time coaches I just think are a bunch of scumbags. I love Izzo. Right. And he might be a scumbag. I don't really care, but he gives me that Gary vibe where I'm like I like that guy and his teams are tough as shit regardless of what the record but is. But don't give him too much respect because Maryland very well maybe and I believe is the best team in the Big Ten. If they if everybody's playing their A game, Maryland's the best team. I agree. feels good to say that. In the last two or three weeks, that's all you've heard from any commentators is mostly maybe not best, but most talented. Mm-hmm. And we want to see that carry through. And I'm curious to see what happens. I mean, I don't want, not looking past tonight by any means. But, um, you know, Michigan State, I didn't watch much of the game against Michigan, but what I did see, they didn't look very good. So are they just in a down spot, or are they just not that good of a team this year? And I, I'm worried they're going to have a comeback you know, game against us. See, so. they, Izzo's got the right formula. They're at home. It's college game day. He's going to lock us down defensively. Well, anybody can anybody can meet beat Maryland. on a, It's not like Maryland's invincible. Right. No, they're just peaking and playing the best they can. Yeah, but... So in college basketball, I think the formula when you are a little overmatched is keep the score down. Michigan State can do that. You know, take the take a page out of Tony Bennett's book at Virginia. Hey, we can't shoot with you guys, so you know what? We're going to take ten possessions away during the course of the game, well, and then if we both shoot in the forty percent range, we're both going to be somewhere around fifty fifty five points. And let's not. I mean, they're having a down year, but they still get good recruits. Well, they still have Cassius going, Winston, yeah. right? I mean, so that so guy. So, so let's, let's that, that guy act, can pop off for let's 30. Let's act like they have the three of us. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, so they're tremendous. And that's what I mean is he's such a good, dynamic coach, and he's been down this road a million times. He's had teams that are up, down, in between. He doesn't get flustered by, you know, uh, a team like Maryland coming in. They're going to have the momentum of, of, of college game day, and it just sets up for a really big win for them. If Maryland continues to roll, I think we're going to look back at the game at Indiana as the one where they got their balls. Yep. You know, they they gutted the win out. They they had a lead. They and lost it. Let the records be shown place. that you gave me a shitty look because I didn't uh, I didn't chastise Jalen Smith for uh, uh, no, no, his no, behavior no. at the end of the game. Look, no. <laughs> I I think that was. Emotion. Obviously, he came out and apologized quickly, so it's it's actually not that big of a deal, right? right. But you don't want that happening. Um, but I think, but he, you're right. He grew his balls that day. What, I mean, he, I mean, he, he, it's yeah. just the way they did it. They were up. They were in control. Things fell apart, and the way the season was going, you were they were done. Somehow, they found resiliency to come back, retake the lead, and win a close game at a hostile environment, maybe yep. the most hostile environment in the yep. Big Ten. And I think that is what. Make, gave them confidence and they just started growing. Now, I agree with you. It all comes down. It, it all gets shot down if you lose to a team you're not supposed to lose to. So right. They right. need to. They need to start acting like they're Maryland mm-hmm. and take care of business early. Get get a lot of people some rest and then get ready for Michigan State. Yep. Agreed. No, exactly. And you know, and and that's where also what you want to make sure you see Saturday 
is no no letdown on you know obviously there's more chance of letdown against Nebraska yeah against Nebraska but you just you don't want to see that Iowa game over again mm-hmm. you know right if you're in the game and you lose to a tough Michigan State team at home no big deal yes you lose by twenty. It is kind of a big deal. Uh, you make a great so, point there because as Jerry was reading the schedule, even though it's not like a murderer's row of opponents, there's still a bunch of road games in there, and there's still a bunch of high-quality opponents. There, There is a loss or two in there. Absolutely. Yeah, you know. Michigan State. So this is the road schedule. Michigan State, Ohio State, yes. Minnesota, mm-hmm. Rutgers. So, you know, I mean, honestly. Rutgers is unbeaten at home. Right, I think they're yeah. thirteen and zero. I mean, Minnesota's I think probably the worst of the bunch, but they're still a whatever that it, they got right, plenty of talent there. They're top yeah. fifty, but yeah. again, I mean, this is where we are. If you're special, you win most of those games. Exactly right. If if you want to be average, to you know, if you want to go and say, well, if we get in the second round of the tournament, we're okay. Then you can go five hundred with that schedule, right? And you're sort of on point. So it's it's what kind of team do you want to be? Do you want to be a tournament team? Or do you want to be a tournament team that goes far? Exactly, and that's where I'm at. And that's why I think a loss or two down the stretch here is going to happen because there's good teams that we're playing on the road. But I, I I'm with Jeremy. Yeah. The way they lose, I think, is everything right now. I don't want them to win the Big Ten tournament. I want them to win a game, lose, get out, get rested. Because I'm telling you, the teams that, that, that waste their energy in that brutal freaking tournament, Against teams you've played already twice, they know you. It's not like and and they're you know it's a foul galore. Could you imagine playing all those games and then playing a team like Michigan State who's going to foul the shit out of you? And <laughs> you know every time you go for a shot, you're going to get clubbed, and then have to turn around and play. Probably you'll be a high seed. You'll play some sa- senior you know laden Hofstra team who can come out and fire. <laughs> Who's going to come out and fire threes, and you're not going to have any energy? That's huh. my worst fear. Yeah, no, that and that is a realistic fear that we've seen played out in the past, both internally with our teams. West Virginia's had that happen to them. Maryland's had it happen, and we've seen many other conference champions come into the tournament I'd like and to really lose, struggle, losing the semis, well, losing. Yeah. yeah, here here's how I see it. First of all, you have to get the double bye, and they're on track for that right yeah, now. Yeah, you're right. So that means a max of three games, not so so bad. But there's things you can figure out. Let's just say they do make the final. If you make it, you might, as well, you might as well win it at that point because you got to play the game, right? Win the whole yeah. fucking win the thing. Whole, yeah. <laughs> win one thing to do. <laughs> so, but the way, what you can do, though, is you know, in that second game, in the semis like you're talking about, you know what? That's where you start resting guys a little bit. Go deeper. If you lose, hey, no big deal. But not only are you, you know, getting your tournament rotation down because what we're hoping is they're going to be playing multiple times two games in three days coming up. Right in the big tournament. Right. So you know what? Get your legs three games in three days. Hey, you'll learn something about yourself. It's not the worst thing. I think they've already learned something about themselves. They played, you know, thirty games already to then. I, I think yeah. it's about self self preservation. I'm not telling them to go out there and tank it. Right. At the end of the day, um, if you're Mark Turgeon, and I don't know if you have to make this call, but if you if you're if you're going to pay play Cowan thirty five minutes in an overtime game versus Maybe not try to win you. Want you know not let let your uh, backups go in. Save ten minutes off his legs. Right. Um, especially in the if he's driving the ball in the paint, you could save that energy. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with that. Hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm I, usually I, one that that gives up on any loss. Right. <laughs> I, I, so no, you don't but, say. <laughs> uh, but 
I've seen it enough in the in the conference tournaments where people win the conference tournament and then they go out early in the NCAA because they just don't have any legs. No, I def- gotta, it's a definitely seen that. No, definitely seen I mean, that. Think about it. You you got to play. Where's the Big Ten tournament held? I think it's Indianapolis. Yeah, of course it is, right? So it's in Indianapolis. Then you got to go back to College Park, find out where you're going to be. They'll probably ship then, us out to like Sacramento. Out, yeah, then go out to like <laughs> Seattle. Right. Right? I mean, it's just boom, boom, boom. You don't get any rest. You play at like 1035 on a Friday right. night. <laughs> Seriously, against some, oh, fuck. I against hate this some scenario. team with, a, with five, six, six whiteys who have played together for five years. <laughs> you know? It's just the worst nightmare. It really is. Everybody in the country is cheering for. Of course. Right? We almost had that happen last year with Belmont. Yeah. Remember that guy from Belmont put up like 30? It was ridiculous. I think he was 8 for 12 from three-point range or something. Fuck. Seniors. Se- teams with seniors and, and a core group of guys who have been together are fucking dangerous. They, very, very much so. And those teams don't have the miles on the tires that the big conference teams do. Exactly. With how brutal Because those guys have been are. rolling through their schedule. Of like, like Jeremy was saying, I mean, Gonzaga looks great. Yeah, San Diego but, State's their team I was trying to think of. Oh, too. yeah, that's right. San Diego State and Gonzaga are, are, are considered like ones and twos, but... They don't scare me at all. Oh, they're both ones right now. Yeah. They're both one seeds. See, I would, I would be. Are they good? Absolutely. Could they beat Maryland? Of course they could. I would rather play one of those guys than Kentucky. Oh yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah, because those those guys haven't been challenged. I, exactly. Can you imagine? You know, they're playing against lesser opponents when they go up against someone their own. Who knows if they can withstand? That's always been the Gonzaga St. Mary thing, right? Yep. Yep. It's always and. Uh, there's always a there's a team in Ohio. Uh, it's it's the it, they always have high seeds. Dayton? No, it's uh I can't. But they they'll they'll always play someone like Maryland, right? They'll mm-hmm. be like a six or seven seed. Maryland will be a ten seed, and I'm like Maryland's gonna beat them. And sure enough, I, I want to say Creighton, but teams like that, yeah, that yeah. you know are always the higher seed or ha- have the higher seed in the second round. I'm always picking against them because they're gonna play some big. You know, big conference team who's been through the wars, and those guys right. haven't had. You're going to play a Michigan State who falls to an eight or a nine seed, right? And if you're a one seed, you go shit. I don't want those guys in the second round. You know, I mean, it's a nightmare. Um, well, hey, I, I really hope that they. Now I'm going to freaking try to find that Ohio. I know it's an Ohio <laughs> team, but they're always like pretty good. And we and my team always plays them in the second round. <laughs> Either West Virginia or Maryland, and we always win. Speaking of which, West Virginia, they've cooled off a little bit, but, oh, man, are they good. Well, they cannot they cannot win on the road at all. Really? I mean, they've lost like 13 straight road games. No shit. Yeah. Well, like I mean, that. the Big 12 is no slouch on the road, though. No. you got to play at Kansas. you got to play at Baylor. Until, you got to play at Texas. I mean, until you win on the road. Like K-State, there's some teams around yeah. there. No one, no one can take you seriously. Yeah, it's a good point. That's I mean, a good point. That's what I used to say with Maryland. Until they win on the road. And, and when you just read off those three road wins, I was like, damn, that's pretty impressive. That is pretty impressive. Yeah. That Illinois win the other night was so great. Um Last Friday. Yeah, because uh, that was a really good atmosphere. So it, um, uh, to the lead up to that, um, I was taking George to his hockey game, and on Twitter they had uh, one of the writers for Testudo Times said, we're here in downtown Champaign, and here's a billboard. And it was one of those like digital billboards. And, you know, I think it's called the State Farm Center is Illinois' home court. And, it, you know, it said stack, you know, pack State Farm. And it had tonight's game sold out, wear orange, be loud or whatever. They would students lined up an hour before the game when, when the doors were going to open. It was probably the biggest game in Illinois against you know a top 10 team in, in, in a really long time. Since some 20 and, years maybe. And the fact that Maryland went in there and just basically blew the doors off him in the second half is so impressive. Yep. So impressive. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for the guys. Um, all the times that we've shit on them, it's been legitimate, but it's nice to see them earn a big win. 
Um, and I think that that is kind of their stamp. And I'm with Jerry. I think that that Indiana game, we may look back at that as being one of those landmark, you know, get you over the hump games. I'm talking about Xavier. Xavier. Xavier is always, you you know, in the past, is yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty highly rated, and they always flail out in the second round. <laughs> I think they made the Final Four a few years ago. But might have. Yeah. Stop stealing my thunder. <laughs> I certainly wasn't thinking Xavier at all when you were saying smaller school because I know they're not that small, but... Um, All right, so that that ends the first their football team. <laughs> that ends the first positive portion of the podcast. So go Terps! We are all optimistic. We're looking forward to it, and, and they're fun keep to watch it, right keep now. Keep it up. That's I'm right. Gonna, I'm gonna continue to say Mark Turgeon sucks because that's well. Hey, two hours from now, I hope that uh, I tune in for tip off, and I hope that we just blow the doors off them. You know, from from the beginning to the end, that would be a nice home win, win by twenty five or so. That would be great. The reality is, it's probably going to be a a two possession game with about three minutes left, and so no, no invites to the game. Apparently, I guess is the, the reality is I'll be asleep by nine thirty, <laughs> and no invites to the game, but I'll be asleep by nine thirty. So, all right, yeah. so cheers, cheers, Turge, way to way to right the ship, and let's well, keep it let's, rolling, buddy. It, you, know, you know, it's a good, it's a good start, it's a good start. Yes, let's keep it going. So, speaking of good starts, and not really, fucking <laughs> Jeremy, I want you to tell me what's going on. You know, we're talking about the Caps. I just want to hear it from you. What's going on? It's not, you know, not being safe with the puck. It's that simple. It's the same problems I think this team had um, back in the uh, in the Boudreaux days. You know, if you're if, if I was afraid if, you were going to say that because I completely can, have the same opinion. If they it's can, scaring you know, me. You know, Todd always preaches pace, and pace is great if you have the puck. When you don't have the puck, all you're doing is skating away from the we puck. We don't have pace. We don't have the puck. We don't have anything right now. Um, Their pace is fucking shit. Again, you can hold the puck. You can't have pace. Unfortunately, well, if you don't so, have pace, you can't get the puck. <laughs> uh, I, that part I disagree with a little bit, but here's the thing: the it, hell are you guys I, even talking about? Like They're playing team, slow as shit, is what I'm saying. This team, the what, back in those, you know, the high flying days, their biggest problem was their gaps between their forwards and their D. You turn the puck over; it's always an odd man rush. Always, right. right? That's something that Trotz and even you know Reardon as an assistant got them to, you know. Just make that space a little bit smaller. Instead of 75 feet between the two groups, make it 60, whatever it might be. That way, if there is a turnover, you have a better chance of getting back, whatever it is, cover for other guys. And I just think right now there, there's just too much individual play, not enough team play. And I, I, one thing, if anything, if there's any silver lining, it kind of shows, well, really wasn't Holpe's fault. You know, and I never thought it was, but, you know, because, like, you know, my buddy Alan May always talks about how it's not Holpe's fault. No, it's just they, they just have to play better. I mean, I know that's simple to say, and I don't really have a great answer as to how, aside from maybe some fresh pastries. But, um, <laughs> you know, they just they just need to play better. It's really that simple. <laughs> eh, no, it's a, uh, you know what? Uh, you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's just frustrating right now. Jerry, would you like to uh, go on your rant, or well, are you are you a little more no, measured no, no, this no, evening? I'm going to I'm going to keep it cool tonight. I got some stats. Why? Right. I got stats and uh, backup. Usually, I just go off the off the cuff. You know, somebody loses the puck and you punch the wall. Is, is this yeah. Greenberg saying Ovi's never going to score any more goals? Those kind of stats. Nah, I don't know him. But <laughs> all right, here's what I know. Okay. Since January one, they've had ten home games. They have gone five and five. They have given up the third most goals in the league uh, at home at 35 goals, 3.5 goals a game. You can't win many games when you're giving up 3.5 goals a game. That's pretty dreadful. Opponents have been shooting more and getting more quality since Christmas. Basically, according to RMNB, the 
stats they threw out that almost zero time in the offensive zone. Basically, they'll have some rushes, but no sustained pressure. So, I everything, guess, so I, everything's ba- banking off the counterattack as right. opposed to, to possession. And I'd assume that mostly is the first two lines because the fourth line's a pretty good puck possession line. The third line's been pretty much dominant the last <clears throat> right. two, three weeks. So, um, Since January... Washington's opponents are getting more quality than ever, which speaks to those defensive breakdowns we've been seeing. Another way to notice this is the rate of high-danger chances, yes, I'm reading, that opponents are getting. This is worse statistically than at any time in 2018 when the defense was so bad. Hmm. So right now in, in January till now, this is the worst they've played in years in terms of defense. Okay. Um, Nobody attributes it. Everybody thought the cause was Jensen. But in January, um, the defensive stats for Orloff, Gudis, and Siegenthaler have also been terrible. Yeah. Um, well, Braden, part of that's because they don't trust Jensen and they're not giving him the high leverage minutes and they're giving the other guys. I think that's part of it. Braden Holtby has been miserable. He has an 85 percentage, save percentage in his six appearances since the uh, since this turn of the year, and well, Samsonov that, yeah. is down to ninety one percent. I was going to say he's that, three and two. Eighty five trounces the seventy five Sammy had last night. So here are the conclusions that I have currently. Both goalies have been victimized. There is no clear weak link on defense in terms of an individual player, and the, and the special teams has been poor, continues to be poor. Mm-hmm. This to me suggests a systematic problem without an easy fix. That's the scary part. That is what is frightening, and I was trying to was trying to come up with some sort of analysis aside from my normal boring X's and O's versus the you know uh, the emotional side of things. And I'm going to boil it down to this: <clears throat> I could be a hundred percent wrong. I probably am. I think their neutral zone play is the cause of all of this, and it was poor even when we were winning. And we were winning because of the counterattack and because we have guys like Ovi to bail us out and individual efforts from guys like Vrana and Kuzi. We have single players that can change a game at the drop of a hat. And if you're not giving up many goals, then you give yourself a chance for that single player to make a difference. Now that we are behind so often, giving up goals at such a high rate, those counterattacks aren't as effective. Instead of being the scale that tips it and you're up 3-2, you need, to, you need that goal to get it back to 3-1 or 4-2. That's a hell of a lot of difference. I agree with those statistics. I've been watching the games. We don't possess the puck in the offensive zone with regularity and in, in, in danger areas very often. And that is really, really concerning. Um, and I think it starts in the neutral zone. It definitely they, starts in the neutral zone. We are way too soft in the neutral zone, giving other teams a break into our own zone. And we are extremely tentative in our own break-ins into the offensive zone. So we're left in this middle ground where what do you do? We're not grinding in the neutral zone. We're not going, you know what, boys? We don't have it tonight. Let's just fucking go. Let's get physical. Let's figure it out. Let's get out of the first period. Who cares if the shots are 7-6 and it's 0-0? That's a hell of a lot better than what it was last night. And we're, we have too many games where the first period slaps us in the face like a wet, you know, washcloth, and we're down 3-1, 4-2, and yeah, comebacks are great every once in a while, but you can't live off of that. Well, you know, neutral zone is the key, and it's it's because of where they're turning the pucks over. And, yep. You know, it's one thing to turn it over after you enter the zone and you lose it deep, and you just recycle and go. And that's, that's what was happening earlier in the season. You lose it, 
you may be 50 50 you get it back on the four check and that's where you know you know on the other team's turnovers then verona gets his chances Ovi gets his chances Kuzi, whomever it is and it's just that they're they're losing the puck between the blue lines room before that and it's, it's what i said before about the gaps guys can't get back to protect yep and best case scenario it's three on two yep and it's just you know I think there's only two teams. There was a there was I don't know if it was RMNB or whatever it was, but there was a, a chart of um, basically good play, bad play, fun play, boring play were the four quadrants. Yes, I've and seen it, that chart. It, yeah. it came out again today, and it showed there's only two teams that were outliers in giving up a, a very high volume of, of high danger chances. Carolina and Washington were by far the leaders in those, and that's that's what we've seen. So that's yeah. where I test equal stats. And it's just, it's way too many high danger chances. Yeah. So the fault lies in three places one, two, or three. Either it's with the GM who didn't bring in enough talent, it's with the coaching who can't coach the talent and schematically get them where it's supposed to be, or it's with the players who are just playing undisciplined um, or a combination players. of everything. What do you think, Todd? Um, do the cop out answer. I'm going to say a combo of two and three. I, I, I've been a, a Reardon defender. However, I'm not going to be naive and, and think that I, I, I said it to you in text. We have the makings of a team that can make a deep run. We also have the makings of a team that can just be swept right out in the first round. And that starts with the coaching staff when you have as much talent as we do. With the, the fact that we're this far along in the season and I still have that worry as a pretty educated fan means that there's a glaring deficiency there. And a bunch of the guys really don't look like they're working right now their work rate appears to me to be very low. What do you think, Jay? Well, again, I, I definitely put it on the players and, you know, work rate. It's, I mean, I think the effort's there, but it's not smart effort. It's guys are just flying around. They want to get their scoring chances. They, you know, again, this is, you, know, you hate to, you know, I'm going to go with a cop out of the doldrums of the middle of the season. And it's just like not enough guys care every night. Mm-hmm. And it stinks. That's the point. But, you know, it's it, I, another term I hate using, but it is what it is. And they've got what twenty five games to get back on track. Yeah, I, I do think they will. But I, you know, the the thing that's also encouraging to me is you know, and they need to stop it pretty damn soon. But <laughs> most nights the comebacks are ridiculous. It's I like, know. I even thought they were going to win last night. I actually didn't. I really thought they were going to. I thought they should have. At least, well, maybe not one, but at least tied it up. Yeah. No, I had the um, same thought you did. They were just, they, they started playing well. And that's the thing. Is, and that's the only thing that worries me now, too, is we haven't really touched on it yet. But Kuzi's injury. You know, I don't know if it's going to be a day, a week, a month. I have no idea right now. Honestly, I don't really care. It, okay. So here's where I'm going to flip it. So I don't care right uh, now. I'll care in the playoffs. Correct. So here's the, here's the silver lining to all this through my eyes. Last year, Tampa went through the season completely unscathed. They had very little adversity. They, they, they had no losing streaks to speak of. But when you saw the stats that were underlying, you went, this team can be had. Like, they're a little soft. Again, their neutral zone plays very eh. They're just they were on a fucking heater the whole season. Well, when they went bad towards the end of the year and then into the playoffs, it went really bad, and they got swept yep, by Columbus. I, rem- I remember. Absolutely we swept. Here. So when it goes bad, it doesn't matter. It's not like you're an NBA team and you got LeBron and he's going to bail you out and you're going to go to game seven. When it goes bad in hockey as a team concept, you can get absolutely boat raced. Yep. And if the Caps are going through their self-reflection period now where something's got to change, give it to me in February when we still have 70-plus points and we're sitting in a playoff position. This is when you want to get smacked in the face by reality 
to come out on the other side. But the other side of that is why does it take such a drastic fall from grace to have the self-reflection? My, my fear is we're getting boat raced in games by teams. We're going to play in the playoffs. You know, we're going to play. It's not like we're losing to Calgary and to Vancouver and some team we'll never see or some Western conference team. We're getting crushed by Pittsburgh, Philly, Philly, New York, New York. Yep. And we're going to see those teams in the first round of the playoffs. I, all three of them. Well, that'd be fucking awesome. And uh, alternatively, any of them. (laughs) But my fear, going back to the one, two, or three, I think it might be the the blame may lie with everybody. I think McClellan, who we have praised on this program, I think it's pretty clear now, after seeing what we've seen, we've seen that it was a mistake. Let Barry Trotz go. And maybe he deserved the money that he eventually got from the Islanders. Hmm. And because Todd Reardon, no one has – they've never excelled or exceeded expectations under him, right? It's always been – they started off hot. You know, they they did. I mean, the start of the season couldn't have gone better. Um, I don't – I have a theory about why that happened, but – Well, you predicted it, so. Well, I I did. (laughs) There it is. But I thought it was going to continue. I didn't expect this. I expected some adversity, but not looking this bad. I yeah, mean, yeah. Um, you know, it went. It goes back to that Detroit game where they got crushed, and then they, you know, they got crushed by New Jersey. Remember that five-one game? And yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't see that happen. But anyway, I think that we're seeing right now um, that McClellan made a mistake. It wasn't just him; it was an organizational mistake. And I was on, I was on board because I didn't want to pay Barry Trotz all that. I thought that the talent would spit, and you know, would. Sustain, but I have real fear that Todd Reardon, for whatever reason, whether or not it's not he's smart enough, and I don't know if it's that, or if the players just don't respond to him mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Well, I would um, put ninety nine percent on the Trout's decision on Leonsis, not on well, anyway. whomever it was. It's um, a management decision. Yeah, absolutely. And it w- and I think it it has proven to be an incorrect decision. Yeah, looking back at it. It was a mistake, and it may have well, cost them. Yeah, not yet. I mean, if if they go out in the first round again this year, I think that's an absolutely fair statement. But that's where I'm going. I think they are going to go out in the first round because I think they have glaring weaknesses. The second thing is, is I'm, you know, I don't know enough about the X's and O's of, uh, of hockey, but it, I know in football that when teams and players get off to hot starts in the first part of the season – when they come back around and you get film on them and you mm-hmm. can see how they're running their offense and how they're running the defense and what the quarterback can do and, more importantly, what he can't do, maybe that happened in hockey. Maybe they, the Caps got off to this huge start and everybody was – the systems were working. And as you get more film on them, maybe there was a way that the other team scouted them and said, this is how we're going to attack them. Um, or, three, it may be just the players don't really give a shit right now. Mm-hmm. Um I think Kuznetsov, I, I can't tell you how disappointed it is watching them. And, I, and I'm uneducated, but even I can see when you're in your zone and you're throwing the puck right to the fucking middle of the ice <laughs> and nobody's there. <laughs> and now there's a two-on-one, you know, or, or, you're, or you're, you're, you're flying into the offensive zone and you do this awesome pass that goes right to the defense and they're just scooting it back up to the ice. It's just I've never seen so many turnovers lead to goals. It's like clockwork. We turn the puck over, it's in the back of our net nine times out of yeah, ten. It, it is amazing. It's almost like I, I, I wish the Dale Hunter days were back where you just fucking dumped and chased. <laughs> just dumb. It's the most boring shit in the I world, right? I wish for that. 
but it's but it but they're it's so disciplined. So <clears throat> coupled with you know we don't have a goalie right now that can be amazing. Yeah, and I'm not sure. Ninety percent of the teams have a goalie that can be amazing. It, that's it's. I think Jeremy's right. It's not a Braden Holpe problem. No, I don't think so. But I don't know what you can do because you can't get rid of everybody. And maybe Gudis was a bad addition. Maybe the Jensen contract was a mistake. Right? Maybe Siegenthaler's just not good enough. You know? I mean, you know, we have a we have a tendency in this room to overestimate our players. Sure, we always sure. do. You always overestimate yeah. your own talent. Maybe he's just not that good. And 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 all of that could be true, and if that's the case, then we're really fucked because there's nothing that can fix that right now. There's nothing because no. trade deadline wise, people are going, "Oh, we need this, we need that." Every fucking team in the league needs somebody. I got news for you: we're up against the cap. The only way no. we get a top four defenseman is we give up somebody who has salary in it, like Correct. Verona. Something's like a Verona. Go- something's going the other way. If anything of note comes in here, if not, it's going to be a bottom level depth type guy, and I think that's what you're going to see. And, and that may be all they really need. I mean, keep in mind for the cup run, it was Kempney. True. You know, true. And I, I think the big thing is, and they just pile on what Jerry was saying, it's not about an individual. I'm, I'm going to the D here. It's about who you can slot where. None of the names we've mentioned, be it Gudis, Jensen, it's not like they don't belong at all. It's just they don't belong in that four spot. And that's what they've been searching for, and they haven't found it. And the chances of finding out of the deadline are extremely slim. Yeah. So they really, that's why they're playing. You know, Faravari, see what he's got going on. Um, because you just, you can't just get, I mean, a lot of teams try to go down to 40 in the playoffs. It doesn't work, in my opinion. You need to, at least at home, at least in the first couple of rounds, be given the bottom pair 10 to 12 minutes. I agree with you. And, and even the bottom pair is not the problem. It's against that fourth guy. Who can you put out there with Orlov for the 20 minutes a night? Who? Uh, they haven't found it. Of the problems that we have, and, it, and a lot of it's turnovers by you know, forwards or, or, or whatever. But do, does any of the blame lie with John Carlson and Orloff for maybe getting up in the rush too much, not playing disciplined? I mean, I know they want stats. Uh, no. Because no, they're trying to drive possession, which is like what Todd and I have been screaming about. You know, possession is what you need. Those guys are – I mean, I, don't, I haven't looked at the numbers. I haven't looked at Corsi in two or three years. But my guess is they're pretty, pretty high. Now they drive the play, which is why they have to play that way. This this league is is built on on pace and speed. And if you don't have puck moving defensemen that can jump up in the play, you're basically in the Jersey right. Detroit mold, and you're you don't even fucking sniff the playoffs, let alone winning around. You've got to have somebody dynamic. I looked at the game. Pair, I looked really. at the yeah. game last night, and I just looked at the score and was dying. But then I looked at the stats, <laughs> and Ovechkin had zero shots and a minus four rating. And I was like, oh, that's just – so it's obviously his line is getting worked. Um, I know the plus-minus rating, it's, that's overblown. Yeah. But, but that means when he's on the ice, the other team's scoring. Right. And if he doesn't have any shots, well, maybe, you maybe know, he's not hustling. For me, and maybe his freaking milestone thing is getting in the way. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Well, he scores in waves, right? He scored – what was it? 11 and 5. Yeah, 11 goals in five games, and it's just so silly. But Barry um, Zaluga in the post today said – well, they need to stop thinking about milestones and start oh, thinking they, about wins. Oh, they got to start no, thinking about how they're playing. Idiot. I don't give a um, shit what that guy says. So I, <laughs> as, I try and, as I try and dissect the X's and O's and stuff, I come to this point as, as I'm watching. In hockey, you see a lot of teams that are marginally talented make deep cup runs, 
you know, they might not make it all the way, but they'll they'll win a round or two and they'll be they'll be, you know, relevant in 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 the tournament. The the question you have to ask yourself is are we hard to play against? And right now, if you're the Caps, they're one of the easiest teams to play against, both game planning and then execution. You see exactly what they're doing and they're very easy to exploit right now. And that's the bigger issue for me. They, yeah, but I just think though that they're they're exploiting themselves. It's the turnovers. Well, they, they, Either way, they may be the dumbest team in the league. Regardless of the cause of it, they are very easy to play against. And until that changes, it doesn't really matter what we do on the power play or what strings we pull here and there. They're not going to fucking get out of the first round. You like can Jerry just said. skate. Or, I mean, I don't, you know, fuck. I mean, if you're Pittsburgh, you're just going to skate around until they fuck up, and then you're going to take advantage of their mistakes and you're going to score. That's how Pittsburgh does it. I mean, it, it you know. Uh, other than you know they're superstars, but it's usually a turnover or some stupid ass shit in the middle of the ice, and then they don't have anybody back, and now it's an odd man rush and leaving Holby out to dry. Yeah, yeah. So I, mean, I don't know how you stop that though. Yeah, stop you can't stop. Like you can't stop them from being themselves. It, it, it's such a weird like snowball effect, right? When we were on a roll there in November, I mean, it was like no matter what we did, it worked, and now it seems like no matter what we do, it doesn't work. And and I'm with you. I don't know. I don't know how other teams stopped us when we were on a good run, and I don't know how we get out of this rut when we're in a bad run. Because it doesn't matter who you have in goal. If the other team's putting up four and more every freaking game, yep. they're just not going to like, win. And like Jeremy said, I mean, if there's just big chance after big chance from danger areas with very little resistance, I I don't care if you're Brodeur in his prime. I mean, those pucks are going in. Yep. You know. Um, now, with that being said. I would still like to see one of our two goalies make a save early in the game when we really need it. And I thought Holtby had that the other night against Philly. Would he stop Hayes on the on the breakaway? He had two yeah, saves yeah. on the same breakaway. And I was like, oh, here we go. Yep. And then the wheels just fucking came off. Yep. You know? What I'm hoping is going out west is the best thing for the team. Could be. Just get out get out of town. You suck here. It's just bad energy. Just get out get out of town and, and go. This is why I think Faluga's a fucking jackass. <laughs> <laughs> it, it may end up being a problem if you go four or five games without a goal for Ovi. Maybe, maybe at that point. It's been two. What the fuck? I mean, you know. I think it's just Ovi how they, Ovi doesn't give a shit. How they've looked. Yeah. I think his point was is that he's been chasing all these records in January, and they've been playing like shit, but but he bails them out a couple times and gets these big goals, and that's what everybody's talking about when they should be talking about. The Caps are, have been terrible since – or mediocre to terrible uh, in 2020. They've been extremely mediocre. Since December 23rd, they're 10 and 10. Yeah. So, I mean, what the fuck? That, I'm with Jeremy. Two, da- two games does not make a sample size. That does not worry me. No. 10 and 10 over the last 20 worries me a little bit. A little bit. Um, but again, I mean. Worries me a lot. Yeah, at that, that they're might be still who you what, are. a point or two back of the number one spot in the league. Yeah. Not division, but It doesn't but matter how you, um, where you are. It's how you're going into it. Yeah, they need they need to play their way out of this rut um, on a number of different fronts, like we just hit on. And and I don't know what the I don't know what the elixir is. I don't know what the the magic pill is, but something's got to happen pretty fucking soon. What gives me fear and doubt is the lack of a proven coaching staff. Um, I think they may be over their heads, and maybe I'm wrong. I was wrong about Mark Turgeon. <laughs> Apparently, right? No, for for a day or two anyway. <laughs> so I mean, I was I was I was wrong about that, but you know, maybe 
my, my fear well, is that the, they're just they're getting out coached out and the scheme's not working and he can't get his players to buy into what he's trying to do. Hmm. I mean, they keep taking for whatever reason, I assume it's for trade purposes, but they keep taking defensemen out and putting I mean, if I'm Martin Ferrari, however you say his name, I'm yeah. furious cuz either I'm I'm going somewhere every day. It's like I'm going to Washington or going back to Hershey. I'm not furious. I'm getting an NHL paycheck for a few days. That's pretty exactly. awesome. Exactly. No, that, that that is the life of of an right. NHL slash AHLer but when you, you're in that seven eight hole. But you take Jensen out, they still suck. You take Gudis out, they still suck. Yeah, you they're trying to. They're, I will give them credit for trying to find different or combinations. Are they auditioning somebody? Maybe. But again, yeah. just nothing is coming back of any note unless it's a splash. With something going the other way, and this the track record of this regime going back to McPhee and now with McClellan, they're not going to make a splash at the trade deadline. I'm just telling you that the shine is coming off McClellan a little bit if he goes out in the, if his coach goes out in the second round again. Or I mean, the first round for and two I think, years. In I, a row. And I think whether it was his decision or not, I think he would own up to that, and he'd be like, "Yeah, yeah you're right." Well, I, I, that's admirable. Yeah, but it, but we can't have GMs making bad choices. Yeah. Well, okay, I love trots. Period. But what, 20 plus years? Passed the second round once? That's, I mean, I I think calling him any kind of savior is a little bit, you know, short sighted. I mean, there's a good reason for it. He won a cup for us. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's a little too much to, to, to call him the greatest thing since sliced bread. Not that that's what you said. But here's the thing when he left, you know, he could have stayed too under his current contract. I wouldn't if I was him. You didn't want him for more than a year or two longer. Coaches have a shelf life. His was almost over. It wasn't over, but it was almost over in Washington. And Reardon, I think that we, I don't know if we'll ever know this, but I think there were promises made to Reardon. Probably. And it was like basically either you're going to be our head coach next year or we'll push you out the door to some other team to be their head coach. He was going to be a head coach in the NHL, period. Yeah, I wish and he was just somewhere happened else. to be here. <laughs> so, well, you know. we, I mean, we, we shall see. Look, yeah, they, 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 there's nothing you can do. No. And and at this point, you're not making a coaching change. You're no, not, you're not. Uh, you know. Some there's nothing. teams might. I don't. I wouldn't. I don't think it's the right. I thing. mean, the Pittsburgh did it with Sullivan. So some teams was it do this it. late though? No, of course, no. It yeah, was I early. don't think so. It was early. The, the only the only one that really Rebels. did it was was Lou back in the day. Lamorello fired Larry Robinson when they were in first place with like what eight games left. With like eight games and, left and in over, March and took, took over himself and then they went to the Cup final. Let's get that guy going. Oh, that's fucking legendary shit from Lou right there. But uh, ah, you know, I I, I think that I, I don't think maybe we could put Alan May on the bench. <laughs> well, the Caps certainly aren't as bad as they've shown the last couple games, and likewise, they probably weren't as good as one of those awesome streaks they had in November. The reality is, they're going to need to grind to get through the first round because that's the way the NHL is built. You're right. You're going to have to grind. I am fully anticipating a knockdown, drag it out seven game series with some asshole team that I hate, and I just I hope the coin flip goes our way this year. I hope. It's not Pittsburgh. I d- well, it's going to be in the second round if it's not the first. So. Yeah. Well, I'd yeah. rather be in the second round. Yeah. Because maybe Crosby's uh, limbs will fall off and he can't go. They'll probably still <laughs> score three points. I always, just, I always wait with great anticipation to see what the next thing you're going to say. Because you could go like flat tire to like appendicitis to his head's falling off. You know? Bazooka to the jaw. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's always so good. Uh, all right. So... That was our shit sandwich. That was the the shit portion of the sandwich. So Certainly caps, was shit. 
Cats. I, ha- I have more stats for the next segment. <laughs> <laughs> so we will now uh, go into some football talk, some American football talk here as we uh, go defenders. As we as we continue here on Wings, Beers, and Tears. And, and Cardell this, Jones. <clears throat> so this past weekend ushered in uh, what is usually the one of the most dead sports weekends of the year, the week after the NFL. The XFL here in their second iteration uh, really has a nice model that they've rolled out. By starting their season the the weekend after the Super Bowl, gain the momentum from all the uh, casual fans as well as football fans, and uh, it'll fold in four weeks. Probably, yeah. probably, it'll get at least. A but year it was pretty fun. It was pretty entertaining. You I know what? Know it was an entertaining weekend. Yeah. Um, and to tie into our, our local ties here, you know, DC Defenders they uh, they played the marquee game of the weekend. They the, the kickoff game on Saturday, so the very first game, uh, Audi Field, where the D.C. United plays. That looked, place looked fun as shit. It looked awesome, and from all the accounts, it was like a party. And what what's brilliant about that uh, stadium is they've got like rooftop bar-type seating in multiple corners, so you can have a ticket, and kind of like the Red Porch at Nats Park, you can just mosey on out, and you can watch the entire game from the bar. It's more of a social scene versus watching a football game. And let's be honest, the product on the field... Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it, like it's like a Division Two football game. Yeah, I mean, it is all the castoffs that don't make right. the fifty-three man rosters. But it's still fun. But it's still fun. And when you add in the element of a social setting like that in a city like DC, you you have an opportunity to have some success. I wish Dan Snyder would would look at the field and say, you know, I don't need a hundred thousand dollar stadium. Hundred thousand seat stadium. <laughs> he, he'd probably take a hundred thousand yeah. stadium. <laughs> I don't think. I, I, I wish he would. Wish he would do that because is he the he, one that got the job over you? <laughs> <laughs> what an asshole! <laughs> Dan Snyder, of course. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> if he, uh, if if you have a sixty thousand seat stadium, everybody's sight lines are better. Yes, it's just a better atmosphere. Absolutely, the logistics are better. The parking's better. The Look at the Hard better. Rock Stadium they built in Miami. The knock on that was, I think it's only 65000 and they didn't want to have the Super Bowl there. They said it was too small. Well, it worked out brilliant. Great city, great great stadium, great everything. You know, right. Indianapolis, when they built theirs, I think it's $62,000. Um, the newer stadiums, I think even in Seattle, I don't think it's 70000 in Seattle. I think it's like sixty eight or something. Yeah, and, I think and, they pump in, yeah. and they pump in noise. They do. They do. But, I mean, we're talking about <clears throat> stadiums of 10, 20, 30 years ago being built at 80,000 plus. Now you're taking almost 20% off of that and going yeah. in the 60s is probably a little bit more reasonable. Well, back to the XFL, they're not, if they don't have players, it's not going to be sustained, right? So it's a, it's a good first weekend. By the third weekend, it'll be half the numbers um, and it'll be in jeopardy. So I'm hoping it can make it through the first season. That's yep. a successful I think it will. You know, season. Um, and, but, you know, in terms of football, in two weeks we have the combine, mm-hmm. and that's like porn for me. <laughs> I mean, it's just you know when you start talking about free agency and combine, that's that's that for a Redskin fan, that's that's your Super Bowl. That's <laughs> the only thing you got. So yeah, because you still have a chance. Because you still have a chance. <laughs> so the Redskins have some interesting news that came out today and yeah. yesterday. One is that uh, apparently on February tenth. Um, Ron Rivera decided to have a conversation with Trent Williams. Not sure what he's been doing since he got hired, but uh, maybe he's just been on vacation. Um, but <laughs> I think he's starting to work now. So uh, they had a conversation, 
And apparently, according to Ian Rappaport, it was a positive conversation. I couldn't give a shit less. I think they should trade Trent Williams immediately, but that's just my opinion. And then Quentin Dunbar has announced um, that he is not going to go to OTAs, wants to be released and or traded. Bye. The fuck out of here. He's in his last year. I don't blame him. Um, he's I in his he's last an idiot, but he's in his last year. Um, he is the he is currently the fifty fourth highest rate rated or paid cornerback, and he's a top fifteen corner if he's when he's healthy. So he should he deserves more money. We go more like top sixty, but yeah, uh, top fifteen is a bit of a stretch in my opinion. He's he's a fine player. Whatever. Look, with a coaching regime change, there should be turnover. There should be some guys in the locker room that go, I don't want to play for this guy. Good, because the mix doesn't work for everybody. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Rivera has said that in basically the same amount of words. You're a starting corner of a 3-13 and 13 team, you jackass. Yeah, but does that mean he doesn't deserve to get paid? No, he's, he's got a contract. No, but he can do whatever he wants. Fucking I don't fucking asshole. care. I, I care way less about guys like that because, to me, they're not difference makers. Yep. I mean, he was rated by a pro football focus as the best, second best cornerback in the league, which was, I think, ridiculous. But in what league? In, in the, the XFL? XFL, sure. In the yeah. NFL. <laughs> he had uh, six picks in the last two years, which is pretty high. Eight passes defended in 2019. Um, like I said, he was rated very highly by a pro football focus. The downside is he's only started 17 of 32 games in the last two years because he had a nerve issue in 2018, which limited him to seven games. Uh, or six starts, and this year he was in 11 of mm-hmm. 16. So his durability is a question. Okay. Um, his salary ranks 54th among all players. The average outside cornerback makes $7 million a year. Um, so What's he making? Three and a half or three so? Three and a half. Yeah. Okay. So if you gave him a three-year $21 million, he would be – that's a salary commiserate with just an average NFL quarterback. Okay. I'm if you view him a too, little man. bit higher, you go to 10 to 12 million. Sure. Then you're getting in the top 20 well, range. 7 million, and he plays half the games. Three and a half is perfect. <laughs> Good math. So that, that I, actually I, I, works. <laughs> I guess the consensus is, is you guys don't care if he stays or goes. I, I, I really don't care. I, I, um, I want him to be here, but the take my ball and go home bullshit, you know what? Fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. You I, know, I, I don't care. <clears throat> The whole the whole NFL contract basically, structure. Basically, he's not good enough to do that. Exactly. Yeah, basically, especially now. Yeah. Yeah, they, they're looking. I mean, he could be the. He's either going to be the poster boy for. Fuck me, no fuck you. We'll talk about it later, or just fuck you. Either way, and it's just you know, it's it's perfect for Rivera's probably like who. Well, they I, haven't I even spoken to him about an extension, yeah. so I think well, that's a pretty good indication yeah. of how the. Well, that franchise right there, feels about him. But sure. Jerry is the key because apparently, again, just rumors. The old regime, they were set to to restructure or redo his deal, or whatever, to give him what he wanted. Well, that ain't the new regime. The old regime's gone. Right. The new regime is going to be like, we'll talk about it later. And so he's all bitter, whatever. Congratulations. Well, I, I, again, I'm way less concerned about. I, I we have people in place now that I think are. I mean, you could probably get a fourth or around fourth or fifth, Ryan. Wouldn't you think? Sure, yeah, I think yeah. fourth's about right. Yeah, I think a fourth would be fine. Um, but we have people in place now that I trust. That, you know, are they the saviors? No, no, nobody is in the NFL, but they're professional and they appear to be organized. So let them figure it out. Let them get their guys in under the cap, you know, at the right positions and let them coach them up. And I'm just going to wait and see. I'm way less about, oh, we need this guy. We need that guy. We're so many fucking players away from being a decent team. 
I'm going to let the guys that understand how to coach and how to put the organization together do it. I agree with you. I, mean, I don't think you make any decisions based on 2020, but I already have concerns about Ron Rivera. I just do. I don't know why he's not working in the first five weeks he got the job. I don't know why he's just now talking to Trent Williams when if that's what you should have been doing day one. Um, I don't know why um, you're not sitting down with your quarterback. And I mean, I, you know, when you hear Ron Rivera talk, when you hear uh, the offensive coordinator talk, uh, you hear him saying it's going to be an open quarterback con- competition um, and Dwayne Haskins better get in here and start working. So my guess is that the reputation of Dwayne Haskins is that he's lazy, mm-hmm. he's not going to work hard, um, and he just assumes that he is the guy and his talent will allow him to be successful without putting in the time, money, and effort or blood and effort. Um, so I assume that's the message. But then you get Doug Williams, who <laughs> remember when I said you should have fired him because I think he's the leaker. I think he's a legend. I get it. But I think he's the one who will run his mouth to the media. He's the mole in Big yeah. Brother. I, th- I, th- <laughs> I think he's he's a problem if he, you know, um, because he will not stop talking when he says the coaches know that uh, Dwayne Haskins is our quarterback. That's what he, that's what his quote was. Right. He did then follow up by saying, "But he needs to show it." And mm-hmm. you know, right? And um, personally, I would like to see Ron Rivera say he's my quarterback. I have trust in him. He's our starter going forward. Presuming he comes in here and does what I say. When I'm here, he's here. Mm-hmm. That's what I expect of him. When I'm not here, he's here. That's what I expect of him. If he doesn't do that, then we'll look somewhere else. But you know, I don't know if it's the right tack to take. I would prefer them to say he's my guy until proven otherwise, but apparently they're saying we'll see if he's my guy. Right, um, right. You know, and that just – Now, they're definitely taking the wait-and-see approach I, with him. I just think you can mind-fuck these young kids, man. You can. You, you can. can. You can mind-fuck them. And I know in a perfect world you want them to be tough and you want them to be, you know, fight through anything and whatever, but, but that's just a not lot the reality. of these guys yep. have divas and, you know – I don't know if Jay Gruden didn't want to I, – I know Jay Gruden didn't want to take him. I don't know if he didn't want to take him because he didn't think he was that good or if Jay Gruden said, I got one year to win. Don't waste it on a guy who can't help me win. I, I think that's exactly what it that's was. exactly it too because yeah. well, there was a third-round grade on him and by that, the scouting department. It was as simple as that. Right. You know, If they had gotten him a third round, I don't think anybody would complain at all. <laughs> right, but but my my point is is that was he a third round talent or was he a third round grade on this team for what the coaches needed? I think he was third the, round like ready. I mean, you know, right. it's like he's not ready this year. You can't put, put a first rounder. This team in this situation again. We just the, 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 the worst thing you just, can do is bring in a quarterback that challenges him. That just stunts his development. I mean, it, it, he's not going to get better if you don't play him. But what's the difference between pushes and challenges at that point? No, if you, push would be good. Let's say you bring in Philip Rivers, well, right? Just for hypothetical, <laughs> right? You bring in Philip. Just Rivers, a hypothetical, right? I'm, oh God, if they did that, would be awful, right? But if let's say you bring in him, well, fuck. I mean, of course, Philip Rivers right now, even though he looked terrible last year, is better than Dwayne Haskins, right? So the immediate satisfaction in return is going to be, well, we got to start Philip Rivers because we can go four and two with him, and we'll go two and four with Dwayne Haskins, but. You're stunting his growth by not giving him reps because, as we all know, when you're the backup quarterback in the regular season, you don't do shit. Mm-hmm. You don't get reps. So um, that's the worst thing long term. If they make any decision, Trent Williams, Quentin Dunbar, for next year, it's a huge mistake. They need to be making decisions 
for year three of Ron Rivera, not next year. I'm with you 100%, which is why <clears throat> I seem completely disinterested about Quentin Dunbar, because I don't think he's here in three years regardless. I don't, think, I don't think he's good enough to be a difference maker now. I don't think he's good enough to be a difference it's maker in three years. And if he is, it's fine. But it's, it has nothing to do with next year. Exactly. You know, Bingo. Right, right, right. Well, you got, yep. field you got to field a player. you got to field a team. And you if, do. You, if you let Which Josh Norman go, now you, have, now you have no corners. Which is why I trust these guys. They, I think they know what they're going to do. And they're certainly going to coach up whomever they have better than the previous regimes. I just think that you've you got to be careful when you're messing with your quarterback's head. I, I agree with you. I my you know my fairy tale scenario is he comes in and he says we drafted him. This is our guy. He didn't really get a, much of a, a chance last year. This is basically year one with him. This is a new regime. Right. He's our guy. We know he's young. We're going to build pieces around him. We're going to do what we can to get this team to win football games now and also project to year two and three with Haskins. I would love that to be the scenario. That's not who you hired. Rivera's never going to do that. It's a mistake well, not to yeah. do that, though. Well, he'll never. Also, he'll never say that. Right. At least you won't see that in the public, because what I well, this is what I see happening. I mean, everything you know, Jerry, you said about how they've treated Haskins, the new regime so far, is right. But I want to see what happens over the next couple of months. You know, get through free agency, get through the draft, things like that. See what they end up doing. And what I anticipate, honestly, is sort of what you just said about what you wish Rivera had already said. I think will happen at some point between now and the start of August or whatever, July camp. Well, I assume that if Dwayne Haskins takes it as a challenge and says, you, you're you going to be there at 7, I'm going to be there at 6.30, mm-hmm. and you're leaving at 5, I'm leaving at 5.30, right. and we're watching film and I'm working out, we're doing everything, and I'm throwing on the field and all that stuff, um, then he will be the starter. My fear is that Dwayne Haskins is a kid, mm-hmm. and he's a diva. Yeah. And he's going to take it as, well, this guy don't want me. Fuck him. I'll go play somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I'll need this shit. I'm, you know how I can throw the ball 75 yards. Right. You know, and then he doesn't. Now what do you have? Yeah. Now what do you have when you get to August and you have a guy who says, this coach doesn't believe in me and he's not my guy. I'm not his guy. Fuck him. Now you have a guy who hasn't worked hard. Know what the fuck you're going to do. You already have a quarterback who can't play. It's getting paid $30 million or how $20 million, how much Alex Smith is. You're going to bring in another quarterback and play, pay him? Right. That's just so fucking stupid. Well, you you, I think you nailed it last week. You've got to win in this league when the quarterback is on his first contract. Yeah, I mean, the, the only option they have this year is to play Dwayne Haskins. Anything else is, from a cap purpose, just awful. Oh, I mean, it, an awful it, prevents, it prevents so many other needs because, yes. like we said, this, this team just has a laundry list of needs and players and positions that they have to fill. And... It, no, they cannot go and spend money on another quarterback. They just cannot do it. So all of the draft shit is happening already. Uh, all the lies are happening. Yes, right? yes. Um, I I read and there was a tweet that said Miami's negotiating with Washington to uh, to go up, and the same next day it was Miami's negotiating with Detroit to go up. <laughs> um, they love Tua, and I'm telling you guys that every time there's a good medical report on Tua, the trade offers are going to get better. And and the latest. Medical report couldn't have been better. It couldn't have been better. Yep. And he'll be ready after the first year to play full go, and yep. it'll be a full recovery. I think Herbert's going to shine at the I combine. think so, too. However, they're at number two, mm-hmm. and you have Chase Young, mm-hmm. and there's a thought that you already have so many first-round draft picks, like Cleveland uh, a couple years ago had so many first-round draft picks on their D-line. You can't afford to take another D-line because you can't resign all those guys. Hmm. Um, I say, fuck that. 
if this Chase, if Chase Young, and now now the stuff in Chase Young is starting to come out. Now he's not as good against the run. Right now everybody's well, he's a little bit overrated. You hear these anonymous GMs say he's a little bit overrated. I never trust that shit mm-hmm. because he they're just hoping he falls. But like you said, I mean the pre draft is a, as big a soap opera as exists anywhere it, in this world. It's hilarious. Everybody lies their ass off. Yep. Like ah, Chase Young's pretty. I have him. It's I, like watching the show Suits. I, I have him as the <laughs> you know tenth best player in the league, and then he drops to you at four, and you're like Chase Young's there. You know, you go <laughs> right. So I'm. I mean, I I trust that the Redskins are going to do their due diligence. Um, you know, pass rushers, pass rushers, pass rushers. Even if he's not as good as Nick Bosa against the run, pass rushers, pass rushers, pass rushers. Because the biggest problem with the Redskins, they can't get off on third down. Nope. And even if he's not as good against the run, which he's apparently not. You know, apparently, apparently the fact that you've got Del Rio as your DC and you got Rivera as your head coach, if they draft that guy they're they're going to ride him and they're going to get the most out of him. I can't. I, I, I really believe right that. now I'm with I, I, I will. I'm, I love trading down, but I don't think Miami is giving up their three first round picks. I just don't think they are. I don't think so either. Um, and they're not moving up far enough to give up all three. They're not moving up to give up. And I think if you don't get that, then you don't do it. Because if you do have a generational pass rusher, you got to take him. I, I, I'm with you. You got to take him. Yeah, again, we've said it over and over again, and I think it still holds. I think that, you know, between what Young does at the Combine or, you know, Pro Days, whatever it is, and with what Rivera and Del Rio are thinking, it's we're making it way too complicated. Yeah. It's going to be an easy decision for them. Yeah. I think so. I think, I think so, so too. Unless the only the only if he has a character flaw, if there's something off the field, or you get it, you interview him, he just comes off as a douche, right? You know, it's like, is this guy going to be a problem for me? Um, is he going to be a problem during the off season? Mm-hmm. Um, which there's no indication at Ohio State. Who knows that he's ever really been an issue? He got he had haven't to, heard anything. Well, but, he, he didn't know. get suspended for a game for like paying a movie, like a movie company moved his shit for free or some I don't know some I forget what it was but some yeah. stupid ass thing like was, that it, that had nothing. I'm talking just insert stupid ass NCA rule yeah. here, and, uh, but I'm know. I'm I'm talking about drugs, physical right. abuse, sure. on women, stuff like that, stuff like you know this might just be a bad dude right. instead of somebody who takes advantage of the situation because he's chased fucking young and somebody wants to move his shit for his parents shit. Um, I don't know, man. I just I I think you take the best player available at that high because you can't miss. I agree. But I if agree. they offer the three number ones, wow. Yeah, well, that's part of it too. I mean, if they're not, then it's not a tough decision. You just say no, thank you to any other offer. Really. But other than them, I'm not sure anybody has the capital to do it. I, I don't think so either. So unless look. they're given this year's one, this year's two, and the next two ones. Well, I heard something about uh Chicago. Offering maybe Mac in their first for the number two pick. <laughs> okay, well that that would be crazy, right? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, that would be stupid for them to do that. Is, but Mac, is Mac just got a new deal? Yeah, I mean, he's getting paid a billion dollars. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that you want to take on that salary. That's that's Fuck. actually that's the thing. I mean, it sounds great, but it's like, well, can they retain salary <laughs> in the NFL? Sure, well, we'll take the, them for fifty percent. <laughs> even with Alex Smith, the albatross of that contract. The skins are in good shape financially. They are. They are. Which is why you load gonna, up as with as many young starters as you can. I mean, that's what I would do. I would I would load up on what position, Todd? D line, corner. Yeah. What what position do you need to target in free agency? In free agency? Tight end. Amen. You need some you need two tight ends. <laughs> hey, I hear there's this guy in Baltimore. He's not getting that many refs. <laughs> when that shit happens, 
I am going to be on cloud nine because <laughs> I've called that trade makes the most sense of anything I've ever heard. You know what? If that happens, we're going to do a video broadcast of this podcast. We're going to put it on YouTube. We're going to give you a little crown. You can sit in your throne, and that'll be that'll be Jerry's uh, uh, but, coming of age. He's got to be sitting on the throne. Of time. <laughs> Honestly, right now, I, I would take a two and a four for Trent Williams. Just take it. Or Hayden Hurst. And be, and be done. Or Hayden Hurst. Right. They're not giving up Hayden Hurst. But um, I'd just take a two and a four for him. I, just, I think you don't need a malcontent, and he's a malcontent. Yeah. He's going to want more money, which is bad long-term investment. See, I'm with you. And and you said this it has about Dunbar. To do, yeah, this has nothing to do with getting cuz you got rid of your training staff. Now you yes. got so now so if that's if that's the reason then he comes in place. Right. They got rid of the coach, they got rid of the training staff. But now this is all about what are we doing in years 2 and 3 with this new coaching staff. Right. You know. It was always all about money. Always. That was always all you, about you, money. You always said it was. Been saying that. Yeah. So so uh, I, I I don't think you need him. I think he is a uh, he's. But mold. the beauty he's of this mold. time of the year, when you are a Skins fan and you've come off yet another disappointing season, as you just said, Jerry, there is hope. There is some optimism. You have the second pick for the first time in a long time. You've got some leverage, and you have some reason to look to years two and three with a little bit more of a, of a glow. As Kevin Sheehan said today on the radio, he's worried that. That he's that Ron Rivera spent the month on Dan Snyder's yacht, and now he's one of the cult. He said because you've had good coaches with good track record with you know milit- militaristic style coaching come in and fail, mm-hmm. and it's just because they 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 they're it's enamor- possible and they're enamored, and I hope he's not enamored. Well, I think with each passing week, and we'll we'll recap everything here on this pod, but. There's every week is going to bring another layer of drama and more information and, and et cetera as these guys prep themselves for the combine. Well, I think next week we start our combine. Prep. I believe so. so I believe so. On the pod, we should start. We should take ten minutes to do a combine prep. I like it. I like it, Jeremy. I'm going to put you on the uh, crack research staff on that one. <laughs> okay, Jeremy better figure out how to fucking run the power play and how to get the those dumbass Russians and Canadians. We're to putting stop a lot playing. on Jeremy's shoulders these days, he, Jerry. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. All I know is I have real concerns, real uh, concerns about the Capitals and their leadership. And I think only Alan May can save the day. So you got to take fucking Todd Reardon, take the pastry chef. Alan May would knock the pastry chef out in 30 seconds, maybe even 20 seconds. Yeah. Fucking hire me <laughs> at the power play. We'd just be doing dump and chase. I don't even know if that's the, the correct term on, <laughs> of anything. Yeah, it is. Dump and chase with uh, Ovi and Koozie the whole time? Yeah, that'll be a good use of well, the talents. No, well, I, would also have ba- I, would, I would also have Backstrom on the power play, hold it for five seconds every time. Oh, we perfect. Just stand there yeah, yeah. going back and forth. That's that would be my move because that doesn't drive me crazy. Uh, well, I hope that the West Coast swing is what the Caps need to get out of their funk a little bit. I hope the Terps take care of business tonight and whatever happens Saturday happens. Um, but getting another win tonight would be key. And I really hope that we're one step closer to knowing that Dwayne Haskins is our future QB and that we're really starting to get some pieces in place around him. OTAs will be a big thing. See how it's going to be huge. They're going to be huge. So stick with us each week for this absolutely drama-filled uh, podcast where we where we parse all of the off-season moves from the Washington Redskins. I know that's I know Jerry lives for that shit. And we should talk about the Nats next week and how they have no lineup anymore. Uh, yeah, they're going to be an interesting. They have zero. Power. Going to be an interesting case study there at the plate this season, but uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. So thank you for hanging with us this week, and we will uh, we will recap next week and kind of do do this whole thing again, and hopefully, like I said, our caps 
are in a better spot and, and our Terps are still winning. So let's go, boys. All right. See you later. Until next week, we will see you later. Wings, beers, and tears. Peace. See ya.